0: Our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. We're going to do something a little different this morning. Uh, The events following the murder of George Floyd has awakened within me and hopefully within our congregation the reality that, as far as we've come, we still have a lot of way, a, a long way to go in terms of racism. And so, this morning, I've invited Dr. Ron Henderson, our district superintendent, to join us. He has a, a really a unique perspective as an African American United Methodist pastor, growing up in a time of segregation. And um, so, I thought we would hear his testimony and as he's uh, approaching this, and maybe have a word for us as a prom- predominantly white congregation. So, Dr. Henderson, thank you for being with us. A delight to be here. Why don't we start out with you just kind of sharing with us some things about you.
2: Well, I'm a United Methodist minister for 42 years, 40 years since uh, seminary in my 40th year. I grew up in Waco, Texas uh, in the 1960s and then a segregated world, segregated community. Even though I don't think we ever saw ourselves that way, that was the world we knew. I went to a segregated school from elementary, junior high, high school. As a matter of fact, my graduating class in 1969 was the last class to graduate from that all-black school. But it was a very good school, good public education, Uh, and so we never saw ourselves as second class. Others may have intended that, but we didn't experience that. I grew up in the Methodist Church uh, in the Central jurisdiction in the West Texas Conference. And the central jurisdiction was that jurisdiction the Methodist Church created in 1939. They did put all of the blacks in one jurisdiction solely on the basis of skin color. So that's the church I grew up, but that's where formation took place. That's where I learned about uh, God. Went to Sunday school, worship, Methodist Youth Fellowship every Sunday. And that's where God began to get my attention and stir my heart. And eventually, I would hear his calling on my life. And would discern that calling, clarify it, articulate it. And thanks to God to be able to live it out. Mm. So that's of the world I grew up in. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Well,
1: <clears throat> kind of. If you don't mind, um, share with your your take on things. Uh, particularly, um, sharing with me what uh, sharing with our congregation <clears throat> what you shared with me about the the day that you uh, saw the the murder of
2: George Floyd. Yes, the day I saw the video of the murder. Well. Um, I was actually, my day actually began when I saw the video on Good Morning America of an African American person in Central Park in New York, bird watching, who was disturbed by an Anglo woman's dog mm-hmm. who asked her to put a dog on a leech, and she immediately called the police and said she was being assaulted by this black guy, she and her dog. And that was all. Horrible thing to wake up to. And then that evening, as I'm preparing to go jogging, I see the video of the death, uh, the abuse, the brutality of George yes. Floyd. And it literally left me shaking, perhaps crying, because I don't think I have seen anything that horrific. Mm-hmm uh, that brutal, that racist, since perhaps the 1960s.
3: Hmm. Uh,
1: you shared with me how you interacted with your colleagues on the cabinet, and that mm-hmm. just really touched me in that. Mm-hmm. The...
2: Well, uh, the week before I, I had done a presentation, uh, to our appointed cabinet on, uh, how African-Americans perceive racism and gave them some of the things we experience. For example, uh, in certain areas when you're stopped by the police, they're routinely suspicious, routinely rude. And it was a good presentation and I, I was very, very hopeful. And after seeing that video, I was crushed. I was in uh, tremendous pain as many people across The land were and still are. Mm -hmm. And I wrote the cabinet, uh, I sent a text to everyone, and and I addressed it to the cabinet, my family, and what I had just seen on television. And then I said, part sarcasm, part real, that I'm about to go jogging as a black man. I hope I make it back safely.
1: Yeah, I'm just. It breaks my soul that anyone would even say that, uh, and, mm-hmm. or think that. Uh, um, as um, you know, we're pre- predominantly a white congregation. We have mm-hmm. we have other colors that are a part of this congregation. Mm-hmm. Um, what what word from the Lord would you have for us as as we search our souls to mm-hmm. see what we can do about
2: this? Well, I, I, would, I would begin by saying I know the church somewhat, mm-hmm. and it's a, a, a very good church, very biblical, very spiritual, very committed to the kingdom of God, very committed to mission. Uh, a church some of the members know that I'm quite fond of.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, we're fond of uh, you, too. Well, thank you. <laughs> Uh, I forgot the question. <laughs> <laughs> what word do you, it comes from the Lord today? One of the passages of Scripture early on that came to me after about a week. I mean, the first week I'm in turmoil, turmoil as everybody else is in turmoil. And finally came to me, uh, Matthew 16, 13 through 20, when Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And after they responded, he looked at them and said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, representing the twelve, said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock, upon this confession, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell won't overthrow it. And then the the passage that's really spoken to me during this time is that uh, uh, I give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I'm reminded of the authority that God has entrusted not to government, not to education, not to labor, but what he has entrusted to the church. And I am convinced That as we understand our mission and the authority and the spiritual power God has entrusted to the church that the church is the the only living organism that can really transform this world and I think too often we look to other institutions who have a good role to play but they will not advance the kingdom of God they will not advance the true brotherhood, sisterhood of all people. And so uh, I've, I've been hopeful that we will real, realize who we are, what has been entrusted to us, the authority and the power that has been entrusted to the church, and that we can transform our land.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: When, when the church, when, when the American society made great strides in the nineteen sixties in that historic civil rights movement. It was primarily a church movement mm-hmm. led by preachers for the most part and church people and some students. And uh, I think it's a uh, time we be reminded uh, that the world needs the church, the church of Jesus Christ, more than ever. Yeah. And so, uh, I've had my my days of brokenness, my days of pain, but I'm grateful to God for the, for the Holy Spirit who comes and revive our spirit and remind us that we are his people, yes. that we're not weaklings, and that we can make a difference. That's the first scripture that came to me.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I love that image of the binding and loosing, and I, you know, I I, I kind of look at myself first and mm-hmm. and start to to look on the inside of what needs to be bound in here. And mm-hmm. there's been too many times when I have have not spoken out when I should have, and um, and mm-hmm. the and the that whole authority of the church, um. Well, how do you how do you see God calling us to to take that authority over racism?
2: Well, um, uh, I know this church, and I know this is a church that fights tremendously against sin. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm.
2: Racism is sinful. All right. Uh, it's it's an issue of sin that is manifested in skin. Uh, I know this church, and most Methodist churches, and we make a vow every time someone is baptized, that we renounce the evil forces of wickedness. A great experience I had a a year ago, when I uh, was on a spiritual retreat at an ashram in uh, Hidden Valley, and I remember saying to one of the monks, I'm not a monk like you, and I was kind of excusing myself for not being as spiritual, and he said, you're not a monk like me. I have traded in the material world for the spiritual world, and then he said, you can be an inner renouncing, you can renounce sin, you can renounce evil, you can renounce oppression, jealousy, greed, etc." and I went, wow. We say that every week when we have a baptism, and I had been acting like a parrot, repeating, what I've heard, and when, when, when the brother said that to me, uh, it has meant so much to me. And so uh, I am an inner renouncing, renouncing evil, wickedness, sin, racism, uh, and uh, giving my life to uh, offer the love of God instead. Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: yeah.
1: What can we do, Ron? We're a church in your district, um, here in kind of the the golden crescent (laughs) north of Dallas. Mm -hmm. What can we do to be a healing force,
2: a reconciling force? I I think, uh, first of all, is to realize and understand that people of color experience racism, perhaps unlike uh, persons in your church. Mm -hmm. As an example I've already uh, stated, many, many African-Americans, when they're stopped by the police, and I'm not anti-police. My daddy was a policeman. And I know the difficulty of policing. I know uh, what it is to have a split second to make a decision. But I also have experienced what it is to be stopped uh, and a policeman is routinely suspicious. I know what it is to be pulled over, and policeman is routinely rude. And so I think to begin is that, uh, to understand that racism is not just people whining, but is that people who are experiencing inequality, oppression, uh, for no other reason than the color of their skin. I think to realize that and uh to speak out against this evil and this sin and to be intolerant of it regardless of where it comes from
1: yeah mm-hmm. so at, at work at school uh in in neighborhood to just
2: at play st- yes, it, yes 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 stand
1: mm-hmm. stand against it
2: yes yes yeah
1: mm-hmm. yeah um what would you i mean I that almost seems too easy, mm-hmm.
2: you know. Um, <laughs> uh, Obviously, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, people would be doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, one of, the, one of the good things that has happened, uh, you know, the, the Word of God reminds us in Romans eight twenty eight that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love the Lord, according to God's purpose, not ours, but God's purpose. And when I see the diversity of persons who are protesting brutality yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and racism mm-hmm. and making a stance that black lives matter, then I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking God has taken this horrific incident and has galvanized the, the energy and creativity of so many Americans and people around the world and I'm thinking maybe God is taking this as going to really change God's world for good mm-hmm. in a Christian way uh, so that that's that's one of the things that's coming out of it I think yeah I'm yeah. hopeful and prayerful well,
1: I'm you know I, I look at our our culture and I see how the education System works. How the justice system works, um, and and there's definitely a, a a difference depending on where you live, and and a difference in terms of uh, of, of economics, and, and and somehow we've got to address that as a nation, and 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 I think we as the church that we can take that authority. Uh, to
2: mm-hmm. claim
1: those keys, to mm-hmm. bind and to loose. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Just well, one of the things that uh, 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 Anglo's that threatens them is uh, they don't want to be seen or understood as racist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, the majority. If not all, or probably not. I I don't know any persons who are white who I would say are racist. So everybody can exhale. (laughs) But uh, there are institutions that uh, uh, discriminate against persons of color and lead to inequality. In the financial institutions, uh, in uh, the housing institutions. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was rereading the other evening MLK's Jr.'s book, uh, uh, Where Do We Go From Here, Chaos of Community. And one of the stark realities he had was the difference between constitutional rights when he won all of the public accommodations and civil rights bill that there was a difference between constitutional rights and human rights. Mm -hmm. It's one thing uh, to have uh, constitutionally be able to buy a home, uh, but it's another thing not to have an adequate job or adequate financing uh, to buy a home. It's one thing to be able to go to school wherever one chooses to go, but it's another thing when people are put segregated in parts of the community and are denied an adequate education so I think the systemic institutional uh, racism
1: it steals hope
2: yes it's still hope it still lies yeah it's Mm -hmm. still Mm -hmm. Uh, as we close how's your soul Uh, right now my soul is good I've experienced my brokenness over the last couple of weeks, and I will again. And I've been down, and I've been in despair. But uh, I'm grateful for communion with God. And the Spirit comes and revives my spirit. Uh, I'm also grateful that I, I've lived long enough to know that my, my peace, my assurance, uh, is in
3: God.
2: Hmm. Uh, the 23rd Psalms mean so much to me these days. When the psalmist prayed, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He reached this point in his life that he finally understands the sovereignty of God and that all that he had gone through, God loves him. So it's, it's good to be at this juncture of life to know that regardless of what's happening, God is sovereign. God will take these horrific incidents, and bring good out of them. And in the midst of all of the chaos uh, and pain and brokenness and wrong responses to that, that one can, I can find my calmness, my assurance, in the risen Lord. Yeah. So that's where I am today. That's good. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you're an inspiration to me, and I, uh, I must confess, I, f- I feel like I'm a person that treats everyone with respect and dignity. Um, but I, I wanna ask forgiveness for, for not speaking out and using my authority against the injustice in, in those systems. And uh, I hope you will forgive me.
2: Well, I think God has uh, created the opportunity for both of us—not yeah. <laughs> only you, but me. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Thank you. Thank you.
1: We're go- we're going to continue this a- after our worship service. We're going to have some more dialogue, kind of dig into what people mean about systemic racism, uh, some of of. Uh, uh, Dr. Henderson's following and, and and work and study of Martin Luther King, and I hope you'll join us as we as we do that for about thirty more minutes after the worship service. It'll be a separate posting on our website. Uh, let's move into prayer now. And so, as you uh, as you look around the room, your living room, or wherever you are worshiping today, uh, take the hand of those that you love, put your arm around your kids, uh, bow your heads. And as we begin, just put both feet on the ground, lay your hands out, and say, Lord, come into my heart this day. Breathe in that spirit that is God's, breathe out that which is, uh, that which is selfishness, uh, that which is greed, that which separates you from, from your loved ones, and, and especially from God, and just let the Holy Spirit roll, roll upon you this day. Feel that presence, let it dig deep into your heart. And, and pray with me. Lord God, we just thank you and praise you for, for how you have blessed us and what you have given us, for, for this church and its location and the opportunity it surrounds us. And, and I pray, Lord, that you would make us worthy of the call that you have put upon us as a church, that we might be your people and that you might be our God. And we, we put before you as people have... Uh, shared prayer concerns in the in the comments of of this worship service today we lift up all those persons by name and we lift up the other names lord that are upon our hearts that are not spoken or written in the comments and we speak them lord as if as if they had been spoken that you would hear every concern that you would hear every prayer and that you would wrap your arms around especially those that are hurting in our day right now especially those who need healing that need hope, that need a second chance, and we thank you, O God, and give you praise and all the glory, for we ask this prayer in the name of Jesus the Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us again as we continue what we started in our worship service today. This is Dr. Ron Henderson. He's our district superintendent. He's a United Methodist pastor. And we've been talking about racism and particularly his experience as an African American, as well as a call to our church about what we can do to be a transformative force in in our society and culture. Uh, I thought what we'd do is just kind of dig a little deeper into some of the issues that we touched on during the sermon time in our worship service. And, Ron, Mm -hmm. if you'll kind of start out by giving, you know... A lot of times we, we hear the word systemic racism, and you know what, and we have misunderstandings about that. Give us kind of a, an overview. What, what is systemic racism? When,
2: it, when I hear sy- systemic racism, I understand <clears throat> it is racism that is historically embedded <clears throat> in institutions mm-hmm. uh, that have historically, Discriminated against people of color.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, it's historic. It's in institutions, and uh, and it has its history uh, in racism, in segregation, in Jim Crowism. Uh, uh, maybe even roots back to 1619. Mm -hmm. when Africans were first brought to this land. Right. Mm -hmm. So you say
1: institutions.
2: Um,
1: Say a little more. When we say institutions, what what are we talking about there?
2: Uh, When I say institutions, those institutions that serve the citizenry uh, but may not serve people of color Mm
3: -hmm.
2: at the same level same adequacy, certainly not at the same equality mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, as it does in broader society. As an example, uh, if you look at um, uh, segregated schools,
3: mm-hmm.
2: they were supposed to be uh, separate but equal, and the Supreme Court ruled in 1954 that they were not equal. And so uh, those persons who went to segregated schools did not get the same quality of education as the majority of the community did. And even since uh, integration, uh, maybe in, for the mo- most part in the inner cities, those persons still do not get adequate education. And if you don't have adequate education, then you're not going to uh, be able to participate uh, in life, get accepted in the institutions uh, because you're not on the same level with someone else. Right. Uh, uh, an example would be uh, if you were to uh, call your insurance agent and ask for a quote on your car and gave a Carrollton residence, you would get one figure. If you call back with the same maker car, and you gave a zip code from South Dallas, I guarantee you, you would get a different quote. And it wouldn't be because they have more accidents or get more tickets. But because of the color of that citizenry skin, uh, those would be examples. And so persons like you and others uh, are not aware of how a broad portion of society is discriminated against.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Now you know I'm grateful to God that you know that um, uh, I've been able to get quality education, quality housing, uh, a very good career, uh, live in a residency that uh, community that's safe, and so I'm I'm grateful to God for that. and I'm a beneficiary of that movement of, ni- of the 1960s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are so many people who seemingly are trapped.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, we, we didn't talk about this earlier, but it just really kind of hit me as you were talking about the institutions that the most, segregate, most segregated time in our nation is Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we have distinctly African-American churches, distinctly Latin American, distinctly mm-hmm. white. There's some, mm-hmm. some integration there. Mm-hmm. Uh, how can we, as a, as a spiritual body, you know, cross those boundaries?
2: Well, I, I, I've been here in a long time, uh, as you have, that Sunday morning at 11 o'clock is the most segregated time in America's life. Uh, and not to excuse anything that's racist, I really think it's, uh, that, that statement is really overstated. Okay. Martin Luther King Jr. did not fight for an integrated society as much as he fought for a free society. Equal. Freedom mm-hmm. uh, uh, is choice. hmm hmm Freedom is a choice to go to an all-black school or to go to an integrated school.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Freedom is a choice to worship here or to worship somewhere else. And so uh, uh, people are going to worship in, in a context that is familiar to them, that's uh, satisfying to them. And so so long as it's freedom and all is welcome uh, I think that's what matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've pastored uh, predominantly black churches, and I have pre- I pastored a predominantly white church. And African-Americans who came to the church and saw me there said, we're really glad you're here. We'll see you Christmas Eve <laughs> or some other time. Because culturally, it did not satisfy them. Mm-hmm. And that's just a reality. So I, I don't think the segregated hour on Sunday mornings is indicative of uh, racism as much as we want to make it. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, you and I have talked, we've talked the other day about Martin Luther King's letter from uh, the Birmingham jail mm-hmm. and, and his message really to, uh, to Christian leaders, mm-hmm. uh, particularly white Christian leaders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, 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 I, I read that letter, it had a really big impact on me. Mm-hmm. Kind of unpack that letter and the message that MLK was, was sharing with, with the religious leaders of that day and how it could be a word for us today.
2: Yes, actually, when he wrote the letter from the Birmingham jail, he was responding to their criticism of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, I think it was a week after an election, and actually, he had a, a march planned before the election. Uh, So he chose not to do it and uh, the white leadership and clergy uh, condemned him for they said his timing was bad and it was not good timing and so he unpacks it by you know uh, anytime is a good time to bring about justice, anytime is a good time to bring about equality but he also made a point that uh, a great part of his despair was because of the white clergy who were silent and did not speak out against injustice and intentional oppression uh, and racial inequality. Yeah. As a matter of fact, um, uh, as we have even before the uh, George Floyd uh, situation and, and others were happening, I, I was wondering to myself, when is the church going to say enough is enough yeah, and, and stand up and do something about it? And, and of course, now uh, uh, people all across the land uh, have taken a good stance, and I hope they are not ahead of the church. When they get ahead of the church, then you get looting
3: mm-hmm.
2: and rioting. Uh, which was so different from the movement of the 1960s because it was a church movement. Right. And the, the, the night before any march or protest, they have this service, which was a kind of a service of purification. And people were trained in nonviolence. Not only were they trained in nonviolence because the, the impact of the movement was not merely uh, not to fight back, but to clothe oneself in the righteousness of Christ, wow! Uh, and so, when they marched and protested, they were armed in the righteousness of God, and so they were able to take some of the abuse. As a matter of fact, when they went through the the, the period of uh, purity and worship and consecration, uh, the night before, Dr. King would say to people. If, if, if you're not willing to take abuse for this cause, then you don't need to protest. If you have a tendency to fight back, then you don't need to be in this protest. Uh, if you can't love those who despise you, then you don't need to be in this protest. So uh, I, I, one of the things that uh, I've thought about a lot lately is we really see a lot of dr king's activism but we really miss his righteousness uh he got a method from Gandhi, but he was committed to the teachings and principles of jesus christ and that's the only way we can do it that's the is to fight like jesus taught us to fight
3: yeah
1: mm-hmm. um, one of the paragraphs he was going after the uh, uh, some of the white religious leaders and mm-hmm. and and he, he quoted them or paraphrased them by saying, uh, you, you have pointed out to me how much change there has been. Yes. And I point out to you how much change there needs to be, mm-hmm. and we cannot put a timetable on justice. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, man. That... Very well done. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, as, as you look at what's happened here, you know, George Floyd, uh, what was done was wrong. I mean, it was mm-hmm. horrible. But he's really kind of become a symbol for a, maybe a new movement. Mm-hmm. And where do you hope that this movement can go, uh, not just for, for our culture, but also for our churches, maybe both in.
2: Well, I think first of all, I, I, I would begin by saying what happened to George Floyd was more than wrong. It was horrible. It, it was horrible. It was wickedness at its worst. Demonic. A demonic when a police officer put his knee on his neck while he begged for air and then put his hands in his pocket and looked around as if he was amused by what was happening to this poor soul. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to call racism what it is. It is demonic. It is wickedness. It is not of God because all of us were created in the image of God. So I I start there. Um, This could be an an opportunity uh, where people are galvanized, and we understand that uh, as much as some people don't want to hear it, black lives matter. Let me unpack that for you. Okay. Uh, Sometimes we say uh, blue lives matter. And blue lives do matter.
1: Now, your dad was. Uh, my a dad pleasing.
2: was 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 a peace officer, a sheriff deputy. Their lives matter. But if an officer is killed, then the entire community responds to that death because it's important. Mm-hmm. And what has happened to George Floyd, and Ahmaud Arbery, and Breonna Taylor, has happened again and again and again. And African-Americans say, these things keep happening and nobody pays attention to them. And so it's a cry out that these lives matter. I saw a a video right before I came here of an incident in Austin, Texas, a couple of months ago that the tape has been hidden of an African-American man who was arrested and died at the hands of police uh, who cried out, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And he had congested heart failure, mm-hmm. and he died. And so Black Lives Matter is to say this this happens too routinely. And, and so that's what's behind that, is to call attention to the broader society of what's happening to a particular group of people.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, as you as you watch just really the, um, the, the peaceful protest, I'm not talking about the riots and, mm-hmm. and the destruction and the opportunism, but the, the peaceful, and, and you said this uh, earlier when we were worshiping, that it's a, it's a uh, racially mixed protest. That it's, mm-hmm. it's not just African Americans. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of energy right now do you think we can keep that going?
2: Well, first of all, it, it's, it's diversity, uh, not only in terms of race, but also diversity in terms of gender mm-hmm. and uh, diversity in terms of age. Mm-hmm. The young, the middle-aged, and older people are participating. Uh, I'm hopeful, I'm prayerful that uh, America uh, as a whole. Have seen uh, this horrific incident and know that it has happened too often, and have said enough is enough. Now, having said that, I'm not one who 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 believes or advocate defunding police departments, mm-hmm. but I am one who advocates accountability and responsibility for police departments. Uh, I don't know how you can take money from Police departments that are already underfunded, uh, but there has to be more money put into uh, community programming. Mm -hmm. And so, I'm for uh, honest Christian policing. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um,
1: You know, um, one of the phrases that I've, I've heard you use before is a phrase, transformative action. Mm-hmm. Transformative action, mm-hmm. and um, what? Uh, how do we live into a more transformative action? Or, um, uh, my—I'll just say it this way: My fear is is that that this will be kind of a wave, an emotional wave of response, because of the horrific nature of and the uh, of, of George Floyd's death and the reminder of. Of the societal problems that we have, and then it'll just die down and return to normal. So, how can we really live into uh, this transformative? Or, or maybe the be- this is a better question: How can how can this be a new normal?
2: <laughs> well, it, it certainly will be a new normal for black people. Mm-hmm. Uh, black people who, as I said, are. Uh, where police are routinely suspicious of them, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: routinely rude, uh, routinely arrested at a higher rate. That is their normal. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: That is our normal. We're looking for a new normal where that does not happen anymore. Uh, I think there's a a good possibility uh, that this will be a lasting, transforming movement but the movement can have many parts to it and I think each person can define an institution how they're going to live out that moment. Uh, for example for me uh as I shared with you the other day as the scripture said blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons and I paraphrase daughters of God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Children of God. Uh, I'm going to be a peacemaker. That doesn't mean I'm indifference to racism. Doesn't mean I'm indifference to brutality. It doesn't mean I'm indifference to brutality at the hands of police officers. I'm not. But my spirituality, my communion with God uh, leads me to fight the fight of fate. So I, I think persons can define for themselves uh, how they Uh, how we usher in a better community, a better society where people are not judged by the color of their skin, but really by their character. Mm -hmm. Uh, hopefully it will be truly a moral crusade and that we see the image of God in every human being.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Not to see that I think is sinful.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: I just, you know, I, I I look at the inequities in our school systems, uh, and I, I I look at the inequities of the justice system, and, and it almost seems hopeless, you know, and and yet I know we can change it. And I, I that's, I guess, where I struggle. What can I do?
2: Well, I, I. Uh when, when we see the inequities, inequities in, say, public education, mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm.
2: we're not talking Carrollton. No, We're no. not talking Denton County, uh, Collin County. We're talking urban America. That's where there's inequity. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh,
2: regardless of what color you're in, in Carrollton, you're probably going to get a good public education. I think we have to Uh, understand that these things take place uh, but I I can't tell individuals uh, what their strategy is going to be Uh, I think as a preacher we can be prophetic and say this is not of God right uh, that it is wrong Mm -hmm. uh, and that we have uh, a responsibility to advance God's kingdom all over the land, where God' righteousness reigns everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Oh,
1: you know, I uh, when uh, when I think about uh, the kingdom of heaven on earth, mm-hmm. that's what I see. You know, and. I think mm-hmm. that's what God wants, and is moving us toward in this uh, in this journey.
2: Yes, I think for me that means uh, God's will in heaven is lived out on earth.
1: Mm-hmm. I just wish we could we could bring them closer together and, and pull the curtain apart, you know, so that the kingdom of heaven could could uh, could have more influence and the kingdoms here?
2: Well, I I I guess it started individually with Mm -hmm. with our own right living with our own right value system with our own core uh, values uh, where we don't don't allow racism, evil uh, to manifest itself in us in any way Mm -hmm. Uh, regardless uh, of our color mm-hmm. uh, that's why I don't watch certain things on television so that they don't get into my psyche and my being and my DNA mm-hmm. and if, if if I watch you know violent movies then that stuff get all in me mm-hmm. so I for the most part don't watch it <laughs> I don't even watch uh, um, what do I want to call it uh, scary movies, <laughs> horror movies, because <laughs> you know, I, I don't want that spirit in me. I don't want it in my house. I don't want it in my mind. I don't want it in my thought. Uh, I don't let people talk around me certain ways because I don't want those words that are living to get all in my psyche. And so I, I, I think we have to begin by being faithful to God, and we can talk Christianity all we want to talk, but until we have a life of devotion to God, it's it's just words. So uh, the core of of anything that I do begins with my devotion to God. Yeah. -hmm. Um, Kind of drawing this to a
1: close, Mm -hmm. uh, I know you've done a lot of research on this, on Mm this subject, where would you lead us in terms of uh, authors to read, uh, particular books that could be foundational to to bring greater understanding mm-hmm. and, um, mm-hmm. and 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 a real connection to action?
2: I think uh, to go back and read King, uh, awesome stuff. I'm I'm rereading King, a a good person to read, uh, who I think is uh, one of the most under appreciated modern-day mystics is Howard Thurman. Howard Thurman was an African-American who was dean of college at Boston University when Dr. King was there and was one of the leading advisors to Dr. King uh, on the teachings of Jesus and the righteousness of God. Mm -hmm. Uh, Howard Thurman is certainly a good one. A modern-day person who I love is Cornel West. Cornel West. Okay. Cornel West is a professor at Princeton University. And I think he uh, has a very fresh, uh, created voice. Uh, he's one of the persons I love of to read. He, he really, he's really engaged in truth-telling, but a wonderful human being. Sure. Uh, I understand from Andy Lewis that our website in the conference has a, a, a bibliography of books and authors to look at mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah I noticed uh, I and I can't I'm, I remember her first name was Austin because she had a, a, a boy's name mm-hmm. um, and I'll, I'll, I'll try to get that and, and publish it for our congregation but she's done a lot of write, writing for Christianity today also mm-hmm. and has a She's very challenging. Mm-hmm. I've, read some, I've read some of her stuff because I, I went on the website and, kind of, and for some reason her work kind of stood out to me. Mm-hmm. But I, I, think it's, I think we've reached a point where we need to be challenged, mm-hmm. you know? We need to be
2: challenged. Well, what I think we need to be challenged, but I think we also need to be confronted. Confronted? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there will be no change, there will be no transformation without truth-telling in love. Mm-hmm. you know if if you were a visit as a pastor visiting with any person of your your parish who had an addiction you would be engaged in truth-telling
3: mm-hmm.
2: with love and you know that that person wouldn't overcome until they were confronted with the truth and so I think we have to begin with uh, uh, confrontation doesn't mean that it's belligerent or boisterous. It's mean we just confronted you with the truth. So I, I think uh, conf- uh, being confronted with truth-telling uh, is where I would begin. Okay, mm-hmm.
1: all right. Any last words for us?
2: Uh, I truly pray and believe that we will have one nation and not a divided nation. And that if we're going to have one nation under God, uh, the church uh, has to take the lead in making that a reality. Mm -hmm. So regardless of all that has happened and my own brokenness and pain, uh, I'm ultimately uh, hopeful and optimistic.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nothing is too great for our God.
2: No, sir. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, thank you so much. Thank you. God bless you.
2: God bless you.